0: QC Pod is a production of the Queen's Podcast Lab. This is QC Pod. I'm Jason Tugaw. QC Pod features the people, projects, movements, and ideas that make up the Queen's College community. To learn more, visit us at Queenspodcastlab.org slash QC Pod. I'm Anthony Borelli and welcome to the QC Pod. On today's episode, Queens College senior Ome Bangush introduces us to her new podcast, Truth Unveiled. Titled Home Invasion, this first episode is an interview with Omay's friend Soraya Aziri, a York College student from Afghanistan who was there when the Taliban were taking control of the country. The discussion took place in the fall of 2021, after Soraya returned to the U.S., and in this conversation, we will hear her firsthand thoughts and experiences at the time. Here's a brief history on the situation. On April 14th, 2021, NATO Secretary General Jen Stoltenberg said the alliance had agreed to start withdrawing troops from Afghanistan by May 1st. Soon after the withdrawal of NATO troops started, the Taliban launched an offensive against the Afghan government, quickly advancing in front of the collapsing Afghan government forces on august 15th 2021 as the taliban once again controlled a vast majority of afghan territory they recaptured the capital city of kabul at the time of airing of this podcast it has been six months since the capture of kabul
1: hey what's up everyone welcome to truth unveiled i'm your host omi salim Bengush, a fourth year student here at queen's college In this podcast, nothing is off-limits, and to spice things up, I'll be bringing guests to talk about some semi-controversial topics. Today's episode is called Home Invasion, and you'll see why in just a few moments. But before we get into that, I'd like to introduce my guest, Soraya Azizi. Hi, Omi. Thank you for having me here. Again, my name is Soraya Azizi.
2: I'm 20 years old. This is my third year at York College as a nursing student, and I am an Afghan-American national.
1: Before we get into the main reason why I've invited Soraya here, I'd like to give a little background information for the viewers at home. So for those of you guys who are unaware, Afghanistan has been invaded many times by either the British or the Soviet Union. And since 2001, America too has invaded Afghanistan under the name of terrorism. Just recently they have been pulling out their troops, allowing the Taliban to take over. Soraya here went to Afghanistan over the summer, and she's going to be telling us a little bit about her journey, what she experienced, and how she came back.
2: Yeah, so I went there at the end of last semester. You could say around the beginning of June. I spent two to three months there. Um, You know, I just went to visit family for vacation. I came back um, about two weeks into this semester, so maybe second week of September. Um... I had to come back through the military uh, emergency planes. Uh, It was, you know, a really hard journey getting here. We spent about a week uh, in the camps that they had for
1: Afghans. Before we get into your time spent in the camps, I want to talk a little bit about your experiences under both President Ashrafani and the Taliban.
2: So I have experienced President Ashrafani's rule twice in Afghanistan before, and as recently the Taliban uh, rule... So I don't I can't speak for what the Taliban has um, done previously because I have not experienced it. But what I do know from speaking to the locals in Afghanistan that there are mixed um, mixed opinions on the Taliban and what we are seeing in the Western media in um, American propaganda is not all that is true. Um, but as for the um, President Ashrafani, uh, you know he's being praised for predominantly women's rights, women's freedom, women's progressivism, and liberalism. Uh, you know, under his rule, we are seeing um, Afghan women wearing Western uh, attire, Afghan women you know, dropping the burqa, going to work, going to school, um, and that's something that he's been praised a lot for. And as of recently, I've noticed um, under the Taliban rule that women have been dressing the same. Uh, they do still go out in jeans, and in, they do still go, you know, to school. Um, they haven't been stopped, Um, from what I've seen. You know, I've been surrounded by, you know, Taliban, I guess you could
1: call them officials, and I haven't experienced any fear. So so basically what you're telling me is that not much has changed under both Ashraf Ghani's uh, reign and the Taliban's
2: yeah so i mean i don't know if there's going to be a change in the taliban um you know recently like um i've been hearing things about taliban brutality but again i have i'm not in the country as of yet so i can't speak for that but as of my experience i have never been afraid of them they haven't they don't say nothing to women um and that's been the same behind uh shafani's rule oh no
1: When you say you've been hearing things, do you mean that you've been hearing them on the news or do you have family members that are giving you this information?
2: Um, The news. Uh, I haven't been able to speak to my family, um, just, you know, because I've just been busy. But I've been hearing it on the news.
1: So do you trust what the news is portraying about what's going on in Afghanistan? Um, See, that's a tricky question because when it comes to the news, for the most part... If
2: you don't know already that it can't be 100% trusted, I don't know, (laughs) you're probably living under a rock. When it comes to the news, you have to read between the lines. Every news outlet has its own agenda. You're not going to hear Al Jazeera saying the same thing as CNN or CNN saying the same thing as, I don't know, Fox 5. So, no, I don't, um, I don't trust the news to completely tell me what is going on in what country and that's mainly because of my own experience with Afghanistan no the news isn't portraying Afghanistan as it is and like I've said um I've been in the country I see what's going on and then I juxtapose that to what the media is saying about current what you know the events going on and I'm like where did they get that from I literally was there that's not what happened um you know and during my time in Afghanistan um whatever, what I was experiencing, you know, the time on, uh, government, uh, coming into power with, you know, my travel, um, tickets being canceled and, you know, a whole bunch of other things. I've been constantly speaking with my sister and she was always telling me, like, wait, <laughs> what are you talking about? The news has been saying this and I was like, well, I don't know what to tell you. This is what I've seen. Um... So, so yeah, I think just the news, is, it has its own propaganda. The media has its own propaganda. You have to read between the lines and really do your research on what is going on. And I think the best news, the best research is uh, speaking and hearing from the locals themselves.
1: So you and I had been in contact on your entire trip. We had been texting back and forth. And I remember asking you how you and your family planned on coming back to the States Because all commercial flights were canceled. Do you recall what you told me? Yeah, of course.
2: Um, So before that even happened, we were just like... I remember my dad was saying about a month before, um, you know, the troops started uh, leaving, he he was like, we probably have to go because I have a feeling that in the near future, the flights are going to be canceled. Maybe the roads will be blocked. We might not be able to get out of the country. And I remember my mom and I, we were like, why would we leave too soon? There's nothing going on. It's perfectly fine. And it turns out he was right. Um, you know, before we came, before we started, um, before we went to the airport, I would say about two weeks before, um, we found out that, you know, our flights were, our flights was being canceled with Emirates. Um, and, you know, a whole bunch of flights from different countries were being canceled. And then eventually, like, really, really quickly... All the commercial flights were canceled, and we were like, okay, what do we do now? Um, Yeah, so I do remember telling you that, and then we were like, we're going to probably just have to go on the um, American uh, emergency flights.
1: So your family figured out how you all were planning on coming home, and you posted a Snapchat, please pray that me and my family have a safe journey. That was the last message that I heard from you before the bombing at Hamid Karzai International Airport. Can you tell me a little bit about what happened during those few days?
2: To briefly talk about what happened, um, we had to speak to to one of the military um, uh, officers at the camp, and they basically would tell us, you know, come right now or come at this time at this gate. Um, And they were telling us that we would be escorted to the airport. That ended up, I don't want to say a lie, but it definitely wasn't true because every time we would get there, uh, they would never show up, and we were putting ourselves at risk, because although the Taliban weren't attacking people, there were checkpoints, they were checking people's stuff, and we couldn't risk, um, being at those checkpoints, and then you know, them seeing our passports, and supposedly, you know, we don't know, like, what the Taliban is like now, because, you know, it's just a new government, we don't know if they're gonna, you know, take our documents, but what, what might happen, you know, that's something we need, um, So that was one risk. Another thing was that when we were at the airport, there were so many people trying to go in because, you know, it's like a free ticket to a foreign country. They don't have to go through visa processes. You know, the news is constantly portraying this propaganda of like, oh, these Afghans are fleeing from Taiwan. But the reality was they just wanted to go to, you know, they just wanted to go abroad. Um, but yes, there was, um, Afghan military standing at those gates that we were supposed to go through. Uh, when we would show our passports, they wouldn't let us through. U.S. passports, they wouldn't let us through, which was so odd because we would tell the military, like, you know, let the, uh, the Afghan mil- um, officers know that we're trying to come through and they would just be like, you know, we can't do anything. Um, we would So we would be stuck outside and um, the Afghan military would throw uh, tear gas, which you know, start shooting in the air and stuff to get people to go away. And, you know, one of the incidents that I'm sure you might know about yourself was the bombing at Hamid Karzai International Airport so my family was actually there at the time we were trying to go through we were told by the US military to you know go to that gate at that spot um and so you know was, the weird part was that we had the um Afghan military saying like you know move back everybody get out of here we're trying I think someone's inside we have to figure out who's inside but a lot of people didn't hear that there were so many people and um, I don't even think we properly understood what they meant by that um, and so eventually what happened was they started throwing like s- bunch of tear gas. People were getting tear gas. You know, we ourselves we got a bit injured. There was shooting going up in there and then, you know, from uh afar you could start you could see like a whole bunch of Taliban coming in to like calm the situation down, get people to uh, you know, like leave the area. There was just so much shooting going on. Uh, I wouldn't see people screaming because I guess, like, you know, it's Afghanistan. It's a war-torn country. Uh, It's a normal thing for them. There was actually a lot of people that stayed there. But we were like, no, we have to leave this place. It's not safe. Um, And the funny part, well, it's not really funny, but the um, the odd part was that the military wasn't able to get us in. But my sister, who was also um, talking with the embassy at the same time as my father and I was to, you know, try to get us in, she gave me a call and she was like, the, um, the embassy was, t- or, you know, whoever she was speaking with was telling her to tell us, uh, her family to get out of the airport because there's a bombing. And it was so odd because they knew that a bombing happened and we found out after she got the call. So it was like, she got the call that there's a bombing and we were there during the bombing happened, but we didn't know the bombing happened until, you know, a little while later.
0: Last week, Joe Biden announced that $3.5 billion of frozen Afghan funds, including the private savings of ordinary Afghans, will be distributed to 9-11 victims, even though not a single Afghan was involved in the attacks. The United Nations says at least half a million Afghans have lost their jobs since the Taliban takeover and estimates that by mid-year, up to 97% of people could be living below the poverty line. The majority of development aid funding almost 80% of the previous government's expenditure has ceased, throwing the country into economic crisis. For more on how to help, here are some organizations that are working inside the country in an effort to deliver aid to the people of Afghanistan. The World Food Program, the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, the International Committee of the Red Cross, the Norwegian Refugee Council, and Aga Khan Development Network. My name is Anthony Borelli. Thanks for listening and stay safe. You've been listening to QC Pod, the podcast about all things Queens College. We're on Twitter at QC Pod and on the web at queenspodcastlab.org/slash QC Pod. Our theme music is Lake Monsters by John Flansberg of They Might Be Giants. I'm Jason Tuga. Thanks for listening.